Welcome to the True Talk Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by True Living Real Estate, powered by Keller Williams. Our mission, we are a real estate team committed to excellence, integrity, as well as living an abundant lifestyle. We are bold, friendly rebels willing to do whatever it takes to uphold these values for our families. We help buy, sell, and invest in real estate. I'm Nellie Dettinger. I'm Jessica Abert. I'm Kate Curran. I'm Lisa Zamuda. And this is just a portion of the True Living team, but I'm so, so excited. We are just coming off of the episode that we released last week called The Compound Effect, Getting 1% Better Every Day. And in that episode, if you didn't listen, number one, go back and listen. If you haven't done that yet and you're just picking up right now, when you think about 1% better, um, it really is the anecdote to perfectionism and feeling like you're in overwhelm and you can't get anything done because you can't get everything done perfectly. But if you really make the commitment to making small changes every single day, we learned in books like The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy and The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson, that real change happens, whether it's positive or negative. And what we want to get in today with part two of this episode is really the anecdote to the compound effect. How do you implement this? How do you take your life from a 30,000 foot view and look at what your ideal scenario is and your ideal life by design? And how do we make that happen each year, each month, each week, and each day? We use this tool in our business, in our lives, and one of our team members is actually an expert on this topic. And she's here with us today, Lisa Smuda. Um, so Lisa, I want you to talk about, um, can you just give us like a 30 second summary of the book, The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan um, for those that might not be familiar? Yeah, yes, I'd love to. So the book, The One Thing was written in 2013 by, um, Gary Keller and Jay Papazon. Uh, I believe they were equal contributors. It is not a real estate book. It is a focused book, a business book. So it was the number one um, bestseller on the New York Times bestseller list for many, many years. And I'm not sure where it's at today, but it is still very, very impactful. The, the information in this book was written by two very brilliant minds who figured out how to grow a massive empire in real estate and the tactics can be used really in any area of your life. And in this book, they actually identify seven areas of your life. Um, we tend to focus on two of them. And when I say we, me and the team, we focus on personal and professional, but you could break it down as far as spiritual, um, finances, investing, all kinds of things. So relational, relational, key relationships. So it's really a critical cool, Pardon me. Yes very um it's very impactful the fr- it's a little bit of a dry read uh the first time i read it i wasn't uh overly thrilled i had to read it a couple times really for it to start to impact me and actually do the the action items in there and then it started to really really impact me and i would say i've been following it now since 2017 pretty religiously um and so yeah it is there are um, topics in there that weave in and out of the compound effect, the atomic habits, the slight edge. Um, it's just, you know, a great tool to begin your journey into getting more focused. That's really what it is. And by the way, Gary Keller says, if you feel like you're being scolded when you read this book, um, 
no worries. I was thinking of my one and only child when I was writing it. And um, <laughs> so if you feel like you're being scolded, that's why. What's I kind of feel the, that way. I kind of feel that way. <laughs> what's one of the action items that you implemented from the book that had an impact on your life, Lisa? Oh my gosh. So part of the reason I even um, took such a such an aggressive approach to becoming a one thing, one thing certified coach was because of my disorganized life. I'm not going to lie. I lived a life that was highly disorganized. I mean, my finances were all over the place. My schedule is all over the place. At one time I had three children and that suddenly multiplied into six children when a couple of my neighbors uh, passed away. So suddenly out of the blue, I like had this whole troop of children and I really lost my ability to <laughs> stay on track with some basic things like just appointments and um, you know, per personal and professional. So out of the book, I would say the number one thing that really helped me was this idea of the brain dump on a Sunday night. This idea that, you know, we have a hundred things floating around in our minds at any given time, if not more. And, you know, this idea of writing it down, letting the, the thoughts just come to me and they move from your brain through your arm, out through the pen and onto the paper on a Sunday night, I would do a complete brain dump. Um, and then it could be everything from pick up dog food to schedule a dentist appointment to um, go to the county for a death certificate for a client to, I mean, on and on and on. Just whatever comes to your mind. That's why it's called a brain dump. And then when you have that brain dump done on a Sunday night to um, dissect it into two categories, personal and professional, and then to take those professional um, that list and then extract the top five money makers out of that. That was probably the most pivotal thing that I ever learned from the book, The One Thing, and they called it a success list, not a to-do list. And that was okay. really amazing for me because it, you know, when you go to bed then on a Sunday night, you don't wake up on Monday dreading the week. And that's really what I needed for my peace of mind with that much going on in my life. I just needed like a tiny bit of like, even cool. if it's not real control, it's imagined control and that's good enough. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Oh, yeah. I like that idea of the brain dump and then categorizing yeah. it and then focusing on the, you know, the top five things that will, will grow your business. Yeah. And that essentially becomes your 411. If I go back to the book and think about one thing that I implemented and I read this book the month I started my business like when I was introduced to our company the woman that introduced me gave me just slid this across the table and said just do this so it was like pretty foundational and if you hear anything about the book the number one quote the number one quoted line from the book is choose the one thing that above anything else makes every, and I'm screwing this up, do the one thing that makes everything either easier or unnecessary. Yes. So if you get dialed in on that, and I don't, I don't care what business you're in, I don't care what um, stage of life you're in, if you're a mom, if you're, you know, whoever's listening, if you can focus on one thing in your life that makes everything else easier or unnecessary, what would it be? Obviously in our business, that's lead generation and that's why I got really good at that because if you can 
create a big fat mess. It doesn't matter if you have chaos. It doesn't matter if you have systems, you have people and everyone can just pitch in and, and figure it out. Um, so creating the mess through lead generation was the one thing that helped me build my business. And if you translate that to any other business outside of real estate, it's probably the answer to. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay, so one of the exercises that they take you through, um, spoiler alert, but right now we're going to be doing this podcast, we're going to be saving everybody a lot of time, is they want you to do an exercise, and in the book they, re they ask you to do this exercise um, in all of these seven um, areas of your life, and they want you to write out your vision for where you want to be in 10 years and where you want to be in five years. And then that gets boiled down to where what you want to do, what you have to do each year. That's your one-year plan. So then you can decide what you should be spending time on each month, each week, and each day. And I think that the biggest takeaway for me from that is when you think about where you want to be in five years, we often overestimate where we want to be in one year and underestimate where we can be in five yeah that's yeah. i feel like the years go by so fast so it's like oh my gosh i have to start today you know like there's there's no time to wait i just the older i get the faster time is flying by and um i keep telling myself i'm like have 40 more years to live what do i want to do with those 40 years and I, you know, yeah, you just I, had I, a birthday. You just had a yeah, birthday. I just had a birthday. Yeah. So yeah, it's Lisa like just had a birthday. Yeah. We're set, woo, are you October woo. birthday? I'm September birthday. I'm October girl. Yeah, that's awesome. I know. So I just I feel like um, I want to do this exercise and and write down my goals, you know, and my dreams and get really um, specific on how I'm going to reach those. I think if you write them down and you see them, it makes a big impact on, a, you know, on getting there. Yeah, I um, I have now taken this as kind of the foundational book and then added other um, incredible uh, thought leaders and strategies to this. One additional thing, once you, you know, create that plan, and I don't go 10 years out because I feel like, um, you know, that's up to everyone's individual um, opinion on this, but I just feel like five years out is aggressive for me. I love that because it's like, okay, what I'm going to be doing in five years, how's that going to look? And then, you know, reverse engineer it. But in, in addition to that, there is another book called Life Visioning, and it's written by a guy named Michael Beckwith. And oh my God, when you like marry these two books, because Gary Keller's and Jay Papazon's is incredibly business-like, and it's super great. It's very metric-based. And um, Michael Beckwith, his book is very um, emotion-based, and it's like, how do you live into the vision? How what, if, what emotions do you want to be experiencing along the way in the journey? And then you can take the metric-based plan and you can tweak it a little bit and make it very specific to activities that bring you joy, parts, you know, really leaning into your strengths as opposed to just doing everything because you said you're gonna do it. You know, this is about getting very granular about finding 
uh, the love of your life, the thing that really makes you happy and, and bounces you out of bed and gets you going. And I just think together, those two books have really impacted me. And so I hope that if there are people listening that just are confused by it, just, you know, read one or the other or both, because it's just um, before I was exposed to this kind of thinking, I, I mean, you don't know what you don't know. And it's, it was just like mind blowing the first time I, I read some of this. How about you guys? Like Nellie, I know I met you five years ago and um, I don't know what do you yeah. say to, the, to the, the revolutionary ideas in here. Well, one, I can't wait to read Life Visioning, but one of the things that I started doing five years ago that has been um, really instrumental in moving my life vision forward was creating that vision and getting it down on paper and doing exactly what you and Jessica um, and Kate just described is really just getting really descriptive on who you're going to be with, how you're going to be spending your days, where you're going to be, what kind of food you're going to eat, what kind of house you're going to live in, like really doing those word pictures and get and, and doing some dreaming on paper because um you know if you're not verbalizing it it's just a dream and it doesn't become a goal and there is a lot of power in our words and our in our word pictures and how that drives our actions so because i want to provide so much value to our listeners and have them understand what we mean when we talk about a five-year plan a one-year plan a one-month plan and a one-week plan and what that looks like versus a to-do list um but creating a success list around that jessica or kate i need a volunteer and what lisa and i want to do is we want you to describe just think about describing a five-year goal and we're going to ask you questions and we're going to reverse engineer a five-year goal onto kind of like what we call a 411, like a four-week, uh, a, a one-month, a one-day plan. So who who wants to volunteer? I will. I'll volunteer. This is Jessica. Okay. So when we talked about the areas of life, physical, spiritual, financial, personal, um, what, what, what am I missing? Um, spiritual. So there's spiritual, personal, key relationships, um, your job, your business, your finances, and physical. So it's spiritual, physical, personal, key relationships, job, business, finances. There's seven areas. Job is what you do. Like if you're a realtor, that's your job. Your business is growing um, your real estate you know profits and the components of that it could be airbnb it could be investments it could be you could be flipping but that's your business and then obviously your finances are your overall projection of how much debt to income and all those other things like money you're saving for retirement and so on and so forth so key relationships that is usually someone that's close to you like a child a spouse someone close in your life and obviously the reason they're in order like this spiritual physical personal is because this is the authors of this book believe that if you don't have mental health spiritual health first as first and foremost and you really can't work on the rest of the stuff if you don't have your physical health you really can't get out of bed then you really can't work on the rest of the stuff so it's kind of like in order that way so okay. you tell us what category you want to focus on that's your first question that's my first question okay so let's say um 
So I, I have a goal related around finances. So should we go there? Yeah, let, let's go there. Let's okay, go let's, there. let's okay. go there. Okay. So my goal in five years is to be mortgage free. Okay. Um, can I ask you, what is the amount of your mortgage? Yeah, I believe it's like 200 and let's just say 215, give or take a couple grand. Okay. And what are you currently, are, are you currently paying ahead on this mortgage annually? Um, no. So we're just paying the, you know, the minimum payment, the monthly payment. We're not, you know, adding more to principal or anything like that. Okay. Um, but what, what we're doing is, um, you know, we have another property that we have a renter in. So we are slowly paying that property off with the rental check. And so hopefully in five years, that property will be free and clear. Um, and then- Okay, so I'm gonna ask you a question. Is it more important to you to be mortgage free on your primary residence in five years or more important to you to be mortgage free on your rental property? On our primary residence. We wanna be okay. mortgage free on the home that we live in than on okay. our rental property. Okay. Um, so that's our one, that, that's, the, that's the one goal. Yep. So if we are looking at building a GPS, goals, priorities, and strategies around the attacking the $215,000 worth of debt on your primary, um, that's our one goal. Three priorities around that um, would be what, Lisa? Uh, well, I was thinking, like, one, make sure she has it at um, um, finance, the lowest interest rate she can have right now. So if you've owned that house for 10 years and it's at 5% or 6%, you might want to look at, you know, getting that um, refinancing down so that you've dropped okay. your payments. Because now, whatever, if you were spending 1500 a month and it drops to 1100 you could take that additional $400 then and apply it to principal. So that's just one idea. Another um, priority could be that you look at your projections for your business, your real estate income, and decide you know what percentage of your profits you could take and pay down on the principal of that. And another um, um, strategy, or I'm sorry, um, priority. priority, could be that you know you look at the um, mortgage accelerator. Like we all know that you can shave off seven to fifteen years by refinancing it into a different product. Like if you're at a thirty-year loan, maybe you finance it into a fifteen-year, and um, you know it changes things up. But this is where you get really dialed in on how you can project how many years it's going to take to pay it off. And so this is super fun because as you drive up your real estate business, you can drive up that percentage that you can apply down to the principal of that house. And how exciting would that be to see it within your reach in the five years? Like you could totally work that backwards, a metrics based, you know, talk with your spouse or with someone else. But you know, it can be done and it, it, it would be very exciting to go after that goal. Yeah, that would be really exciting because the thing is right now, I think we owe like there's seven years left on that mortgage. So I'd really like to pay it off in five years if I can. So that that's where I need to, you know, get those priorities set up so that I can tackle that payment 
and, and get that paid off in five years. And do you know, and I know this is a side note, but did you know that instead of paying one payment per month, that if you pay two times a month, that that's where the magic happens in the balance of, of applying it to the compounding reduction of the principal? So that's just, I'm just giving you, you know, obviously the listeners that's don't strategies. So we're going to yes. go, we're going to go back to strategies. Yeah. So my, my next question is, can somebody divide 215000 by five for me? My phone's being used. Um. <laughs> okay. Hang on, I'll get it. Two fifteen divided by five is forty-three. Okay, so that's forty-three thousand a year. So if we were going to pay it off um, at by the same rate and not accelerate it, we would need to come up with an additional forty-three thousand dollars every single year for the next five years. And if you, how much is your monthly payment? Is it like two thousand or one thousand or? It's uh, it's thirteen hundred. Okay, so it's about $3,500 a month, but if you take off the $1,300 you are already paying, you have to come up with another $1,300. So yeah, that's another $1,300 a month, um, and then divided by four, so another $300 a week, basically, would get you to the goal of paying your house off in five years. In five years, so, so um, paying $300 more a week. Yeah. For the next and see, five years. that's the thing people don't think about is that if you send additional payments, um, the very first payment you send on a mortgage goes to pay off the print or the interest. Interest, right? Yeah. It's applied to interest, but anything you send after that, you can even designate and say, "I want this applied to the principal." And if they've already gotten received the first payment that goes applied to the interest, they have to apply it to the principal. Very few people actually do this. And can you yeah, do that sporadically? You don't have to do that every month, right? I mean, if I did it no. six months out no. of the year versus 12, I could still do six payments a year directly towards the principal. Totally, yes. It's like your own payment accelerator that you can do, yes. So another strategy is leveraging the other income um, properties that you have, the other income earning opportunities that you have with your other property and just using it to attack this one debt goal and really yeah. the snowball effect. So if you are um, net positive on either, I know that you guys just bought a short-term rental um, property that you're going to be launching. If you took the profits from that, if you took the net positive profits from your rental property, um, what would that look like in shoring up that $300 a week deficit to get you to pay off your primary residence. I definitely think that would be doable. It's so hard to know like how well the um, Airbnb property is going to do. I definitely think that we'll make above what we pay in a mortgage every month for that. Um, so it would be fun to be able to take some of those profits. Let's let's say we made $5,000 in profit. And then we could take that $5,000 and put it towards, you know, paying off our primary residence. That would be amazing. Mm -hmm. It's just those, so little, it's those little pieces. It's yeah. about staying true. It's about staying true to that one goal and just really going all in on that with, you know, whatever percentage of extra money you're willing to, to sacrifice from, you know, everything that's above and beyond what you need in your life. But yeah, I think that that's a totally, a totally attainable goal. I do too. That's cool. I'm glad we talked about that. Awesome.
Awesome. Awesome. So I think that that is a great note to end on. This is so exciting, listeners. You can think about any goal, any big, hairy goal that you've got in your life that you feel like is unattainable. Um, Elephants are eaten one bite at a time. I know that that is is a very old saying, but I think about it a lot, and it's really true, and it really is the gist of what we talked about last week on our compound effect episode and really getting one thing dialed in on and um, measuring and tracking the activities around attaining it. So, um, as always, I'm Nellie Dettinger. I'm Jessica Abart. Kate Kern.